You know, I just wanted to dive right into it. Um, you know, you're somebody I'm, I'm so glad we could sit down and do this. I've been a fan for a long time and, you know, you're such a veteran of our scene. And I think you have a unique opportunity or sorry, not opportunity experience of, uh, you know, kind of witnessing multiple eras of electronic music in the States. And, um, you know, I know you came up in Washington, D.C. and then eventually moved to New York City. And I had the opportunity to interview uh, guys like Harry Romero, who, you know, also had a lot of New York experience in the 90s. And I wonder if you could just tell us about, you know, how you first discovered electronic music, whether that was in DC or after your move, and then just what that scene was like in New York. Yeah, um, it was after I moved uh, to New York, um, like right after, I mean, like I moved up there for school. And I was just like, I think I was like hanging outside my dorm room and or like outside of the dorms and you know, these girls walked out and like, oh, we're going to this party down the street, you know, you wanna come? And I was just like, yeah, sure, why not, you know? <laughs> um, you know, and I was like, oh, sweet. You know, and I went in there and I mean, I always, I mean, I was like a super big like music fan and, and stuff before like that, you know, playing a bands and stuff. But I mean, I walked in there and it was like what I had been kind of looking for like for a long time. Um, and I actually like went to like this, like all ages club in Delaware, on, like the, in the beach, like in the beach town called like, um, called Rehoboth that was like there for like one year. And they were actually playing like electronic music. And this was like, you know, I, I would say like 96 or 97 then. And, um, I, and that was like kind of like my first taste, but I like, I had that taste and I never knew where it was like after that. So like when I like, I think went back and I found like that, I went to that party and in New York city, um, it was like, this is what I was like trying to find again. And it just felt like, this is it. This is, this is the music I've been trying to find for a long time. And I just didn't know how to like find it. Um, but I mean, I think at that first party, it was a, I'm pretty sure a chocolate city party and it was like onions and joski and oh gosh i can't remember the other guys who were in there but yeah definitely those two guys i mean joski's still killing it these days too so um you know and you know once i had that moment i was just like what's going on next weekend like where's the next party you know and uh yeah and it was just like uh, um just like a music you know electronic music education and um there uh, in, in New York City, you know, and I was like, listen to house music, there was like jungle and jungle was just like, you know, exploding. And that's what really kind of like, I gravitated towards jungle at first. And um, it was like Diesel Boy, and DJ Dara and stuff. Um, but, um, and that's like, you know, that's where I kind of started. Like, I was like, I gotta start playing music. I wanna DJ, I need to learn how to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was like my main focus, but you know, I was listening, I was going out to everything like Sasha and Digby were doing like their residency at a club called Twilo, which was yeah. like amazing. <laughs> it just, you know, just going out a lot and seeing like real, just, you know, like that era of like electronic music, which was just like amazing. I mean, like I, I learned so much. I listened to like so much like different, different stuff and it was, 
was it was amazing like looking back on it like in that era you know yeah absolutely that the the sasha digweed twilo residency is crazy i think when people learn about it you know it's like these guys are still headlining you know any room they want and for them to be doing it so long and i've you know so many people talk about that as like it was such an experience and you know they're bringing carl cox in before people knew who he was in the states i know that you went out west but i'm just curious uh you know, it seems like when I talk to people about this era, it feels like that was kind of the golden era for New York. And then maybe it dipped down a little bit. You know, what do you feel about just how that scene in New York has grown and developed over the years, whether for better or worse? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little hard for me to say because, you know, like I, I moved out of there 2000, oh, around like 2000, yeah, 2001. Um, and um, I don't know, yeah, it seemed like the, like there was like a dip in like popularity in like the parties that were happening around that time. And I actually like moved back down to DC and you know, there was a lot of like stuff going on like, you know, prior to when I had moved there, you know, there was like big, like massive, you know, raves going on, uh, you know, massives back then, you know, as they were called, and, you know, multiple rooms, like giant acts, and, um, and that just seemed to, like, not be there, like, when I moved back as much, and I loved the music, and I wanted to, I don't know, keep, I wanted to, like, you know, do it, and so, like, I, you know, came out to San Francisco and visited, and, and I saw, like, what was happening like like the vibe the vibrancy of like the scene here um and that just like was like okay i need to move there like it's going on there this music's gonna come i was like i know this music's like uh, it's got it's got a hold of me you know and like the, the scene here is like just super like homegrown it's diy like and everybody kind of knew each other and it was really cool but i mean going back to new york i i kind of fell you know out of like touch what was going on there like you know for you know, probably like my first like five years out here until I, I started like getting on the road myself and DJing and Dirty Bird started doing its thing. And um, and it seemed to change. I don't know. I mean, it was definitely different like when I went back and um, I don't know. I I don't know where it went. You know, it's kind of hard for me to like to say how yeah. like, New York like transitioned and went through like during that era because I wasn't there. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah, I think probably a lot of factors. I know some people I've talked to have spoken about how just the EDM boom kind of sucks some of the life out of it. And now we're seeing a return with some really great venues, but you know, there's still a ways to go. Obviously you just mentioned it, the Dirty Bird squad. I think, I don't know how soon after you went out West, you, you met them, but you linked up kind of quickly with Justin and Christian Martin and then Barclay. Um, I'm wondering if you could just tell us like, you know, how did you meet? And when you guys first started throwing parties i mean did you have any idea it was gonna turn into this thing uh well justin and i met in new york city we were um i, th I think it was there that first night i went out to like a club <laughs> like, and um so yeah i mean we we met in college and um you know we would i you know got turntables and we would uh just, you know, we'd go record shopping together and uh, we'd buy like drum and bass records and we'd go back and we'd uh, just play records like in my my dorm room and, you know, we'd sit there and just kind of imagine that we were like in front of a big, big crowd, for, you know, 
pretending like we were at Twilo, you know, and, you know, I've been drinking like 40s and smoking some weed <laughs> and kind of doing our thing. And, um, but yeah, and, you know, Justin, Justin moved out, out to San Francisco halfway through. And, um, and that's the reason why I came out here. He's like, he's like, oh, you should come out, out here. Things are going on. And um, yeah, it wasn't like, you know, I moved out and I met his brother and Barkley, I don't know, you know, probably within like the first month or two and just knew them. And then, and then we did, you know, Christian was like, I'm gonna buy a sound system and let's let's throw a party. And I was, it was, you know, the four of us and we we're just like, fuck, hell yeah, let's do that. You know, we got inspired by uh, Sunset Crew out here, which, you know, they're pretty legendary. They've been, I don't know, throwing part. I don't know when they started, but some sometime in the nineties. and. Um, we kind of like followed their, uh, followed what they had done a little bit with, you know, free parties and stuff. And, um, but yeah, you know, we had those, had those first couple of parties and there was like, you know, I don't know, 20 people, maybe 50 people at it. And, you know, we're in the park and uh, I mean, I, I don't think any of us had any idea like it would get to where it is today, you know, with like a, a giant festival and parties all over the world. And I mean, but it was, it was super exciting just to like have like our own like little party and, you know, where we took it indoors and we started doing some club nights and just started, you know, organically building and started to get more and more popular. And people started coming and I mean, even like when it was doing like good, I never thought I would get to this level, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, something that obviously evolved out of that was the label side, which, you know, you had involvement in, and then obviously your own label, Anabatic. I'm just wondering over the years, you know, what kind of developments have you seen in like the music that you received to A&R, whether it's a wider range of people, a wider range of styles, you know, higher quality, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like the quality music got better. Um, I mean, but I, I mean, with my label, I was always kind of like really looking out for like the new, somebody new, you know, like making something cool and really trying to like, I don't know, give somebody a, a chance to like put out something uh, for the first time. Uh, that was always like a, a pleasure of mine to like give that like opportunity to somebody. Um, but yeah, definitely the music got better. It got different. Um, I mean, I wasn't, you know, when I started my label, I just thought it was going to be someplace for me to like just put out my own music. And then I started getting some demos in and they were cool and I liked them. And I was like, well, I guess I should start putting out some other music. <laughs> and yeah, and it kind of just like, you know, it was very organic the way it like kind of like went from there. And um, yeah, and I mean, I started just like, so I could control like, you know, putting out my own music and not having to like wait you know, to put out a record on a, like a different label and have to wait like months and months and months. And it was just like, oh, I can put out like a record next week if I wanted to, or even today, you know, almost. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was like really cool just to like watch everything, just build and build and build. So, yeah, Absolutely. And I think it's, it's really, it's always interesting for me to talk to people who were kind of doing the artist driven label, you know, starting way back in the day, because now everybody has one and, I think there can be some redundancy and, you know, just kind of on the label side, um, whether it's with releasing music or the live performance, you know, this world has unfortunately over the years, you know, become pretty like white male dominated. And 
when you look at a brand like Dirty Bird, they seem to generally be at the forefront, you know, of inclusion and diversity in regards to like the artists that they're representing and putting out. Are there any other labels out there that, you know, you're feeling like do a good job of this and big picture, what do you think kind of needs to be continuing to change in order to improve this? Yeah, I mean, I definitely see the the narrative, like really being out there, like for labels to be way more inclusive and try and get, uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot more female artists and gender you know, diverse um, artists. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, Journey Bird's definitely been trying to like really push that lately. I, I really see it like with uh, their lineups and uh, the artists who are getting involved. Um, I mean, there's like, you know, super inclusive labels like Kishi They, which is, you know, just all about like, gender diversity within their label. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. It's really awesome to see this kind of like awakening of just like, yes, we need to like, you know, get more women involved. Cause I mean, it's like really crazy. You definitely see a lot of lineups still where it's just a bunch of guys, <laughs> you know? And you know, it, it's, it, it, feels, it feels weird to be like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like, I, I know I was one of them, you know, and it's like, um but i always always wanted like to see more girls in the lineup and they always like slay and so it's um it's awesome to see this kind of like shift and um and what's happening in the in the music scene and it's not even just in electronic music it's like in i think the broader like whole like music world in general or just like realizing that like yeah there's a lot of like very very talented people being left out of the picture because they're not a certain gender and they don't fit into like this little club, you know, of people. So um, yeah, it's, it's an awesome time to be involved in the music scene and seeing, uh, and seeing this shift, you know? I mean, there's always been girls involved, but you know, I don't know, like it, it, it's always been like so hard for girls to get there for, because they're not a guy, you know, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I, you know, look, as you mentioned it, obviously, I would love to get into your personal story, if that's all right. Um, you know, I think it's something you've been really vocal about. And just your transition to being transgender and that realization. And, you know, I obviously can't relate on a personal level, but I just obviously want to say congratulations. Uh, I think it's probably very relieving for you to feel true to yourself. And, um you know, I know the pandemic for you was kind of a time when you were able to really understand who you were and try and take those first steps. So I was wondering if you could just tell us about kind of this period in your life right now and when you first knew and, you know, what pushed you to really take that step. And um, I know it also is going into the music for you as well. And you're rebranding your project and trying to take it in a little bit of a different direction. Yeah. Um... I mean, I've kind of like, you know, I've, it kind of like became really obvious that like something was just not right in my life. Like, I don't know, I don't know probably like six or seven years ago, I was like, there, I just had this like, just feeling of just like, there's something going on that's not, you know, normal with me. I don't know what it is. It's like, I'm being held back. Like, 
I really, I, I really just, I didn't know what it was. I don't know if like there was some kind of like, you know, just like a normal like traumatic event that happened to me or something happened to me in my past that I didn't know about. And, you know, I couldn't figure it out. And um, yeah, the pandemic really kind of gave me this opportunity to like, I guess, sit with myself more and explore myself. And I don't know, it was like, kind of like being locked up and being with myself, uh, I guess really kind of gave me the strength to explore um, my dressing up. You know, I had done it always in private and um, it all of a sudden it was like, I felt like I needed to like share this with somebody who was like, uh, which happened to be my ex-wife and um, you know, I, I was, I, I finally confessed that like, I've been, you know, getting dressed up for like our entire marriage and now, uh, um, and because of her, like, you know, she said, after I told her, you know, how long I've been doing it for and how this has been going on my, like, pretty much like my entire like life, she, you know, mentioned to me, she's like, I think, you know, there's a possibility you might be like, you know, transgender and that was kind of just like all I needed to hear really. And I was just like, oh my God, that makes so much freaking sense. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I looked back on my, I mean, at first I was like, no way, no way, no way. But I, look, I started looking back and it was like, just this skyscraper was built of just like all these moments. And um, um, yeah, I, really just was like, I'm pretty sure this is what's been going on. And like, I, I felt it and um, deep down, you know, I was scared as shit, but I was also like, I think I need to like start transitioning. I'm going to go on HRT and I'm going to see, you know, how I feel, if it starts making me feel better. Um, um, and it has, it's like the second I started, um, you know, coming out to friends and family, like, I just like, I got so much lighter, I got so much happier, you know, it's like, every step I took along the way has just been like freeing, I just feel better. I, I don't know, it's, it's such like the craziest experience, because I, I look back and I'm like, how, how did I live like that for so long? It was like, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but it was kind of like I was living like in like a really dark cloud, like a dark cloud was like around me. And I could kind of like, like tw I would say like 25% of me would come through it, you know? And, um, but I had no idea, like I was living like that. To me, it was just, it was just normal because that's the way I had been living probably since I was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, something like that. So that became like normal. So like, um, I didn't know any different. So like, you know, other than like just having, eventually feeling like there's something off and there's something wrong. Um, and um, so, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been crazy. It's been the craziest journey so far. And, um, you know, and I'm still, I'm still letting go like a lot of uh, the um, repression and, hard feelings and, and fear of like 
you know, being transgender, I, I still have a bit of it, you know, and I still fight with it a little bit. Um, at times it pops in my head because that was part of it, you know, just being afraid to be myself, you know? Um, so, I mean, at this point, I'm, I feel really, really happy, like to be, I've made it this far in my transition. And I see myself more every day and I'm feeling a lot more free uh, to be myself as like, I see myself in the mirror more and yeah. see less of like that person I was before. That's great. I mean, you know, do you have any advice to kind of anyone out there that might be going through some similar struggle or even if it's not about being transgender, just, you know, any complications with their identity? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say just to be gentle with yourself in the process and allow yourself to explore even those things that like, seem so scary and seem maybe you know uh, out of the norm like for society because um a lot of those like feelings and stuff um a lot of people really don't like don't like push push that on you like when i came out like i thought everybody was going to like like hate me and just like like oh you're you're i don't know that, that's too crazy like what are you what are you thinking you know but um those people you know for me like i had like this story in my head that like i couldn't do this or like it was gonna be you know really bad and exploring yourself is like one of the best things you can do and I, most i think everybody for the most part really wants somebody to just be themselves and be happy and um, be their authentic self like whatever that is and whatever you know whatever you end up at, where you, wherever you end up being. Um, and just like, yeah, be confident to explore and, um, and yeah, just be gentle with yourself and don't be hard on yourself because it's, it's a process, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think when, when it comes to the music, you have always had such a diverse taste in selection and production. And I don't think that, uh, I, I don't think I could sit here and be like, your sound is tech house or it's house. Like, you know, that's, you've always done a little bit of everything. Um, but for you with this, you know, rebranding yourself and going forward, what is that going to look like for you? Uh, you know, from a music perspective, I'm still like really kind of like figuring it out, like where my music like lands. I mean, I've been making like, some like pretty different stuff. You know, I've had like, I like this, like, more like techno, techno-y, but like diva, like vocal like song that I did for, um, that's gonna come out in Hishibe. But then I also have this like Dirty Bird song. That's kind of like a bit like, more, it's a bit more big room, but it has this like, you know, really big breakdown and talks about, you know, loving yourself and like giving yourself, you know, just kind of like giving yourself a hug almost. Um, and then I've like been making some, I don't know, like really kind of like some melodic stuff and some like deeper kind of tech housey stuff. And I, I'm just really open to like ex exploring at this point. I don't know, there's like a song I was working on, like or idea like that pop started coming together like last night. That's like, it's crazy like build up and then it's like super ravey. I'm just like, where did this come from? And I'm just like trying to like take down all these like barriers and just, you know, uh, 
let myself explore and like really just like be with the be with the music more and um i mean in the past i've been like so just hypercritical of like of my music and like thinking it's like good enough and comparing myself too much to like other people i'm trying to like let those like those aspects of uh myself kind of go and just be like happy with um that like yeah like you just be happy with like the song you make you know like do your best and don't compare and just have fun with it and um, it's starting to happen and it, it feels good um um with the creation part of it and and also with my djing side i think it's just like really i've gotten really open and my dj sets really are connecting i feel like with, with people a lot more than maybe they were in the past and i think that's because i'm like finally like you know in front of the people and like i'm actually like there for once and not yeah. like partially there i think before i was really there was kind of like a wall in front of me that like kind of like tried to connect with the audience but i really wasn't um i thought it was but um now i just feel this is like I don't know, give and, give and take from like, from both sides um, in a different way. And um, I don't know, it's like, it's crazy. Like, like the music selection I've been like doing like in my sets, I never really plan out my sets. I kind of have an idea of like the songs. I don't know what order they're gonna go in and things will pop in my head and I'll bring them in. But somehow like it's, it, it, it's all like kind of like flowing smoothly <laughs> in some weird way. And I don't know if it's just like from all the years and years and years and years of, um, you know, DJing and, um or like and i think it's a bit of both you know just like finding myself finally being confident to like stand in front of people and just be myself and and have confidence in like my track selection and not like really second guess what i'm doing as much absolutely uh i mean i'm sure you know when you're on stage now and you feel like i'm really me you know that's a very freeing feeling uh i also wonder you know you were really, really active uh, during kind of peak pandemic time with all the streaming and everything. Um, did that give you an opportunity to kind of experiment with music that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have normally because you're just playing out every week to a chat room? Yeah. Oh, oh my God, for sure. Like I, I loved it. Like I went back and, you know, pulled out like a lot of like old songs that I hadn't, hadn't played. Um, and it was also just going into like a lot of different, um, you know, genres that uh, um, that I had played and played like a lot of like, you know, I I bring my sets like kind of like together, be like very melodic at first and and chill, and then I'd kind of get into some like some crazier, you know, Dirty Bird maybe style tracks and you know Tech Housey stuff, and then I'd like bring it down and get like super heady with it at the end. I don't know, play some like super beautiful music that like um i probably wouldn't have played before and i've actually now i've been like oh i can totally play this like and it, it will work you know like i mean i think that like experimentation uh with the streaming definitely also affected my my djing uh immensely as well like all these kind of like maybe three factors coming together just kind of like yeah setting me up for like uh being more unique in what I what I do. Absolutely. You know, something you mentioned earlier, like drum and bass, and I know you've talked kind of recently about break beats and that kind of stuff. And, you know, Justin Martin, like, always has some drum and bass in his sets. And yeah. uh, Barclay, 
the Barclay Crenshaw project is, I mean, that's a whole monster of its own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, I think it's a sound that is becoming increasingly popular. You know, you're starting to hear it at like main stage sets. What is it? Do you think about, you know, that I know it's not the same thing, but the drum and bass, the break beats, like, what is it about it? That is just so invigorating. I don't know. I mean, there's something about those, the like speed of it, I guess, and just like the like the bounce, it's like a bouncy sound. You're like <laughs> moving around a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's like it's definitely like you know had its like big like moment like back in those like late '90s, early 2000s, and it kind of like it's just there. And it's definitely kind of just like had this like slow like rise up again, like after like so many years. Um, and I mean, I, I I've played it like in some of like on like when I was doing like the Twitch streaming, I definitely had a couple nights where I just pulled out like some drum and bass and just had a lot of fun, like, yeah. you know, playing it. And um, I mean, uh, and it's been cool. I mean, like, yeah, like when we were, when I was like on Holy Ship, like years ago, like a couple of couple times, there was always like a big like drum and bass like session, like one of the nights, you know, we would come in and, you know, drop a couple tracks. It was really fun. and. Yeah, it's, it's cool that it's never, that it's just, it's it's here and it's kind of growing and I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just, it's fun and it's like, it's it's energetic in a really good way and it still works you know, after all these years, you know? Absolutely. Um, just last thing I want to ask you wrapping up here is if there are any, you know, up and coming artists or artists that you think you just have to give a shout out to people you're really loving recently oh, i always like draw blanks when it comes to these i know it's, it's, a, it's an unfair question i uh, hate because there's like so many i'm just like who was that like artist? i'm like horrible like about like remembering artist names too like especially like, you can you can shout out your friends if you want yeah i mean yeah i mean like kevin knapp's like doing a great job i'm like super proud of him and uh it's been really awesome to watch him like um, come into his own as an artist. Um, and I've known him for so, so long before he was just starting off. Um, gosh, who else? I'm just going to like draw a blank here. <laughs> I don't know why. I want to get this question. I'm just like, what? I'm like, wait, let me pull out my like USB stick and see what, who I'm playing. Um, well, Kevin, that's a great answer. Plumped. I mean, I mean he's killing it. Yeah, I mean, who else? Oh, like DJ Longstocking, like she's like a good friend of mine and um, she's doing some like really cool, cool music. Um, yeah, Vanessa, it's been awesome watching her uh, blow up and get like really big. And um, who else was it like? Uh, like a Seema maybe? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, she's doing some cool stuff too. And um, Baby Weight, I, I, pretty excited to see what where she goes with her music and um i don't know <laughs> it's like who am i gonna forget <laughs> so i'm trying to shout out like the girls too the, no that's the great yeah. i mean we'll we'll find the answer by seeing you live and shazamming all the best tracks yes yeah, so yeah that's definitely like one <laughs> way to do it yeah it's just <laughs> definitely do that like and then, then you'll then you'll see who i'm playing i guess i don't know um yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I actually, it's funny, Kevin Knapp, I 
saw him like five years ago in this like 150 cap room in new orleans called the dragon's den oh yeah 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 and um they actually don't really do the night there anymore that we used to go to but it was like the only place to kind of like have an underground house night um when i was in school down there so it was really cool seeing him and then being like wait other people know this guy like i think christian martin played there too obviously you played there um but listen, I just want to say thank you uh, for taking the time today. This is really great. You know, you, you have such an amazing story and um, just looking forward to watching everything that you got going on in the future. Yeah. Uh, it's cool to be here. <laughs> cool to talk. <laughs> I'm excited to see the piece. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome.